In today's Trouble with the Snap, Colton and I will be breaking down and recapping all of the madness from Conference Championship Weekend, as well as diving into quite a few discussion topics that we have um, before closing out the episode. Let's roll the intro. Nick Saban, and in 2003, the Tigers captured the Beast Seattle. Michigan State's Dalen Watts takes in and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! Alright everybody, welcome back to the latest edition and episode of Trouble with the Snap. As always, I am Will, joined by just, I truly run out of words to describe this man. The five-star colleague, best guy down in Austin, Texas himself, Mr. Colton Deutsch. Colton, how are we doing tonight, boss? We're doing great. We have... Had a couple assignments, a couple final exams coming up. We'll be done early next week and then off to winter break. So just trying to enjoy Austin for the end of 2023 before going back home. What about you? That's good. I'm uh, I'm just chilling. I um, have the majority of my finals online this semester because that's where all my classes took place for the most part. And so that's a pretty nice convenience. I was able to come home. Uh, this past weekend for winter break, even though I still have a few assignments left. Um, but aside from that, I got a few assignments to knock out, some finals to knock out. And once we're finished recording here, I got to go pack my suitcase because I'm heading out of the country tomorrow for a week uh, for a winter break vacation. I'm really looking forward to it. There we go. I heard you're going to see some soccer too. Absolutely. I will. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I've never been to... Uh, an international soccer or football, whoever the hell you're talking to. I've never been to one of those games before, and so it'll be very interesting to see what all the hype's about. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited to hear how the atmosphere is because I know that their fans there are pretty wild, and so I'm curious to hear your thoughts and get your experience because I know that those are some pretty rowdy atmospheres and their fans are very serious. I will certainly let you know, and I'll I'll even go as far as to film me some video and pictures, and whatnot, and so I'll uh, I'll certainly share them with you once I get back to my hotel after the game. You need to turn into one of those rowdy fans too. You gotta pick I probably five. I, I probably should, you know. Um, I, I'll look into it. I'll, I'll let you know what I find. Yeah, I mean, you got to be somewhat invested in it. Absolutely. All right. Um, you ready to talk some ball? Yeah, this is a best? great championship weekend. Absolutely. Uh. You want to lead us off with Conference USA? Conference USA, Liberty takes down New Mexico State 49-35. to This was back-and-forth game. Good game there from Caden Salter through the air and on the ground. And Liberty with the two-lane loss to SMU. They find themselves headed to a New Year's Six game to face the Oregon Ducks in the Fiesta Bowl. SEC, or sorry, Pac-12 championship. Washington defeats Oregon 34 to 31, clinch a spot in the playoff. This was an awesome game. Washington jumped out to a pretty nice lead and it looked like they were going to kind of hold control of the whole game until a couple turnovers and some nice play by Bo Nix 
was able to give the Ducks the lead after a turnover. And from there, honestly, to me, it kind of felt like the Ducks were going to find a way to run away with this one. But, I mean, the Huskies are just so tough. Dylan Johnson has been running really hard. Michael Penix had himself a pretty nice game. But this was all about Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze, and Jalen Polk. I mean, these, these receivers have been incredible all year long. And they just make plays. And I thought that Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer called – awesome games and it was kind of once again like the first game where it, it just seemed like every money down every fourth down Washington had some sort of a response and in the end it led to the Huskies holding on for a 34 to 31 win and they clinched a spot in the college ball playoff I thought that this was the absolute perfect kind of cherry on top for the Pac-12 to send them off and send them uh, on their farewell uh, just a great game all around I really enjoyed it uh, a lot of fun to watch um, as Colton mentioned a moment ago, Washington had a pretty pretty comfortable lead, I would say, throughout the first beginning uh, the beginning parts of the game, um, and then uh, of course they had some costly turnovers, things like that, just not playing as clean a football as they were earlier in the game. And Oregon was able to seize some of those opportunities, especially um, late, right down the stretch, I believe, like mid middle to late fourth quarter. Excuse me, um, middle to late fourth quarter, um, Oregon had a crazy touchdown with like two minutes left, I think. Um, and they, they got themselves right back in the game, right back within striking range, uh, clearly is a field goal. Um, and of course, at that point in the game, the Ducks went for the onside kick and unfortunately were not successful at um, getting the ball back in that spot. But either way, you know, Washington, whether, you know, they, they didn't necessarily play the most uh, clean through and through type of game, they still certainly found a way to get it done. Um, and clinch a spot in the college football playoff. And especially in a game like that with Oregon, you already beat them once this year on a, on a game-winning winner, a game winning field goal. And, you know, clearly this game, as Colton and I thought, uh, would certainly come down to the wire, and it absolutely did. Uh, but as, as I was just saying a moment ago, the Huskies are just too much to overcome, and th- that's the main reason why they're in the playoff. They, they earned it. They're that good. Big 12 championship. Texas defeats Oklahoma State 49 49- to 21 this was a game where texas once again shut down the opposing team's run game ollie gordon really could not do much and the pokes came out firing the ball down the field and after hitting a couple times and getting some pass interferences longhorns kind of adjusted and were able to shut that one down and quinn ewers had over 350 yards passing at the half finished with 452 and four touchdowns and longhorns broke off a couple of big big running plays and big game from ad mitchell jt sanders and xavier worthy jordan winnington also added in some nice catches as well and overall this was a game that was pretty much over in the second quarter and the Longhorns just kind of broke it open late in the third and early in the fourth and Longhorns win the big 12 and end up getting a spot in the playoffs but maybe the most competitive part of this game was the Dr. Pepper tuition challenge did you see that Will? So I I'm not sure I saw this one. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Is this the one that had a bit of a controversy yeah, or not? Yeah, a lot of controversy. Yeah, yeah I, I saw this one. Okay. It was – yeah, it was pretty funny. I mean, I think it went into, what, double overtime in the Dr. Pepper challenge. And then the rules committee kind of messed up. Or the refs messed this up somehow. So I think it was supposed to be like, like a college overtime type of thing where like every – where you each get one shot per se – but then they ended up doing like a sudden death thing. So then they ended up having to go apologize on Twitter. And then they gave, I think both of the students 
what it was like fifty thousand dollars or something. A hundred grand. Yeah, a hundred grand. So costly challenge for Dr. Pepper there, but yeah, that might have been the most competitive part of this football game. Also, Nelly was there, which was I, very I, funny. I just think it's hilarious though that we had a double overtime shootout kind of scenario like that for it's, the Dr. Pepper tuition challenge. It's because they do those stupid chess passes, just wind I, up and let it rip. Okay, well, to be fair, um, the dude in the SEC championship, I believe it was the SEC championship game, um, he went traditional old school, uh, throwing him overhand, one uh, one arm, like how every normal person throws a football. And so I saw that there are actually a few people on Twitter calling him an American hero because he opted to be different than everyone else doing the chess pass. I think he is an American hero. I wouldn't argue with that at all. I agree. Also, the Nelly concert, I don't know if you saw that, but it was really, really funny. Really? Because it was he was playing in the bands were the audience basically. So they were on the field and they were kind of moshing. It was really, really funny. <laughs> I I saw like a two second snippet of it online. Um I, I'm really sorry I missed that though. I, I'm sorry I couldn't have been there with you for the Nelly concert. No, I mean that was the whole reason that I even went to the game, so it was great. Exactly. I didn't even know there was a game going on. I thought you were just going for a concert. Right. <laughs> all right anyways back to ball though um I, I don't really have much to say i mean texas just absolutely manhandled oklahoma state um and that's clear by that 49 21 final score and um quinn ewers is absolute feels like career day and probably the biggest game of his career up to that point um well up to that point i say that as he's playing a college football playoff game in a month but um yeah, anyways, you know, the, the Horns did exactly what I thought they would. Um, you come in against a, an Oklahoma State team that certainly um, had some had some pretty big wins on the season and also some pretty glaring losses as well. Um, and, you know, Texas, aside from that uh, one loss they suffered the last time they were in Dallas, oddly enough, um, they were able to take care of business hands down. And certainly uh, they, just, they just looked phenomenal. And clearly it was good enough to clinch the number three spot and the college football playoffs. So as for Texas, they prepare for a pretty tough Washington team in their next game. And as for Oklahoma State, they're, they're preparing for an even tougher opponent than any of those schools in A&M and the Texas Bowl. I wish it was still the Meineke Car Care Bowl we were just talking about that. I forgot how many different sponsors they have. Now it's the Tax Act one. It used to be the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. I too. think it was until, what, last year? Is, is this Something the first year like the that. Tax Act? Something like, yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's a revolving door of names. But either way, it still played the same venue, same TV networks, things like that. Yeah, unfortunately, you and I have had way too many Texas Bowl experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Mountain West Championship, Boise State destroys UNLV 44-20. Kind of an unfortunate end of the year for UNLV. They were having a very, very good season, and things kind of seemed to – kind of tater off there towards towards the end of the season. But for Boise State, uh, you know, they win this game. Taylor Green has a pretty nice game, and then he enters the portal. Ashton Jean T, one of the better running backs in the country, has a very good game. And they actually did all this without a head coach. They fired their coach a few weeks ago, and they promoted their interim coach, Spencer Danielson, to head coach. So congrats to Spencer and the Broncos on another championship and a new job. All right, let's jump to the um... – the game that I was just talking about with the American hero himself, uh, that would be the SEC title game between Bama and, and Georgia. Bama, as we all know at this point, won 27-24 over the Dogs. Um, so at the very start of this game, Georgia got on the board first. They got it. They got uh, 
I believe they, they scored a touchdown on their very first drive of the game. And I remember my initial thoughts watching that was, you know, there's just no way Bama could probably keep up with Georgia. But boy, was I wrong about that. Um, from there, Bama just kind of took over. Um, this They just played old school Bama football. And they had the lead at half. And, you know, that they were able to uh, – once they once they got the lead, they never lost it. So that's just a true testament to just how tough that team is and how good of a football team they are. Uh, considering you were playing the number one team in the country at the time, and they were able to hold on to that lead and never let go once they once they first got it. But anyways, um, as for Bama, Jalen Murrow, he certainly started out the game pretty cold. I believe he was three of nine on um, through his first nine passing attempts. So not the best start, but once uh once he got it going a little bit and kind of got in a rhythm a little bit of a groove, things like that. He really turned it on and did a great job in this game. Um, so, Colton, I don't know if you saw this or not, but um, right before halftime, I'm sure you probably did, right before halftime, Alabama had the ball, and they were going they were going for it on fourth down. It was like fourth and four, fourth and six, something like that. And Milrow passed to one of his wide receivers on an out route. Um, yeah, it was to Isaiah Bond. Yeah, Isaiah Bond. And he, uh, he so he, he hit him like right in the hands something like that. But as soon as Isaiah Bond caught it, he kind of like rolled over or flipped something like that. And long story short, there was quite a bit of discussion, at least at halftime and throughout the the rest of the game, because um, they ruled it a catch on the field. But the the main thing in question was whether he had possession or not. Uh, But anyways, as I was saying, they ruled it a catch and Bama eventually got the first down and went on to score a touchdown on that um, a few plays later on that same drive. So there was certainly some uh, controversy around that. So, Colson, uh, what was your opinion on that? What, what did you think he caught it? Do you think he he dropped it? Um, what what did you think about that play? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you can definitely see when he hits the ground and rolls over, the ball does come a bit loose, and so I mean, I'm just really surprised that it wasn't reviewed because no, obviously I, I... every scoring play and turnover is going to be reviewed, but. I mean, on a big fourth down like that, I, I would have just assumed that the booth would have taken a look at it or Kirby Smart would have called a timeout. But, yeah, like you mentioned, that was a game-changing play because if they call that incomplete, it's probably still going to be 10-7 to 7 at the half or maybe Georgia finds a way to put some more points on the board and set it 17-7. So you're talking about a potential 10-point swing maybe. And then another pretty uh, notable play in that game as well happened when Georgia sent out their kicker for – I believe like a 49 or 50 yard field goal. Um, it would have been his longest on, on the season to date. And um, excuse me. Um, let me just, let me just start over. He, it would have been his longest field goal to date for the season. And um, there was a false start on the Georgia offensive line, like right before, or right as the ball was being snapped. And so that backed up the dogs five more yards and on the new attempt, which was about 54, 55 yards, um, you know, kicker hit the ball and the ball ended up joinking right off the upright. And so um, just to think if there wasn't a false start there, that kick would have been good from 50, but clearly not good from 55. So just a, a pretty notable play I, I wanted to talk about. But um, just I, I feel like I've, I've talked way too long about this game. Just long story short, Bama. They're, they went right back to doing Bama things. They got the job done. They won yet another conference title with Nick Saban, um, and clearly they were that game was more than enough the more than enough for the committee um, in order to put them into the college football playoff to take on the number one ranked Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, it's the little things, like you mentioned. The margins are just so so thin. 
really in most of college football, but especially in a big-time game like that. But I thought Bama looked like the better team for pretty much the entirety of the game. Jalen Milrow did not have his best game, but to his credit, he did take care of the ball, and he was able to run around and extend some plays. And credit to Georgia, they never really quit. I mean, there were a couple times where they had a fourth down, maybe not by 10, and if and if Bama stops them, the game's over. But they always were kind of able to find a way to stay in the game. Brock Bowers does look pretty dinged up, unfortunately. But, I mean, Georgia really struggled to run the ball on the Bama front. And if Brock Bowers is injured there, there's – There obviously are good skill guys there at Georgia, but it definitely hurts if you can't run the ball and your best receiving threat is not really much of a threat or is not at 100%. And with Alabama at the end of the game, Milrow has a couple big runs and they're able to ice the clock. And actually on his last run, Georgia punched the ball out and he did happen to fall on it. But like you mentioned, the, it's just the the little things. Margins are so very thin, but yeah, Alabama, Nick Saban, once again, find a way to beat Georgia and win the SEC. Yeah. The upside of the century, right? Didn't see that one coming. It is crazy to think, though, that it pretty much any other year this Georgia team is still in the playoffs, but this has been such a wild year. Yeah, absolutely. No. It just, it, it's yeah, it, that team was just it, they they were so good and ranked number one for so long. It's just bizarre to see uh, after uh, a three point loss like that, you go from one to six, I believe, which is pretty a pretty substantial drop. But um, yeah, it's just kind of crazy. We talked about this last episode. Um, just to not see the Georgia Bulldogs in the college football playoff. Yeah, and I think even at a certain point in the season, probably around the Ole Miss game, I just resigned myself to the fact that Georgia was probably just going to go and win a three-peat. And yeah, I did too. Really hard to three-peat. So. Well, it is what it is. It's just called college football. American Championship, SMU shakes up the group of five. They take down Tulane, 26-14. to SMU did not have quarterback Preston Stone, who unfortunately broke his leg. So they did start Kevin Jennings and – he was not great by any means. He had three turnovers, but they were kind of able to hold this two-lane offense in check. Tulane could not run the ball at all. Michael Pratt was fine. Big game from Jalen Knighton, and SMU finds a way. And uh, unfortunately, they did not make the New Year's Six. They were 11-2, and undefeated in conference, and their only losses were to TCU and Oklahoma, or as a team like Liberty, I actually had the worst train of the schedule in the country, but I guess being undefeated counts for something sometimes with the playoff committee. Going to the Big Ten. Well, our conspiracy was not true, unfortunately. As Michigan uh, yeah. Iowa 26 and nothing, the secret playbook is potentially being saved for the Cheese It Citrus Bowl. I'm I'm sure hoping they whip that thing out, man. They need to. I would hope it's the last game of the year. Yeah, no, no kidding. I think the most notable part of this game that Will actually brought to my attention was that this bar in Cedar Rapids was offering free drinks until Iowa scored. Not a touchdown, not even a field goal. A safety, field goal, anything, safety, any any points anything, on the board. Yeah, they but, called it. They called it poor till poor till they score, and they they didn't score. <laughs> I guess that bar is still serving. So yeah, that that was a, a main talking point. Of course, one everyone was checking in to see if the people who attended the who attended that bar during the during the game uh one to see if they're still alive and two people were wondering that um they were wondering if this promotion lasted until the next iowa hawkeyes football game which obviously would be next august so i don't know colton if that promotion still hand uh 
is still going on right now. You, you and I might have to take a trip up to uh, trip up to Iowa and get some beers. I would love to. And the funniest thing about this game, and we did joke about it, how if this game was three to nothing or two to nothing, it's probably over. That's kind of how it felt because this Iowa defense, huge shocker, they played incredible. And Michigan got up 10 to nothing really just because they had a very long power return that set them up inside the 10 yard line. Other than that, I mean, Michigan could not run the ball. J.J. McCarthy had a fine game, but nothing special by any means. They kicked four field goals. Just Iowa can't do anything. I mean, 18 I, uh... of 32 for Deacon Hill for 120, no touchdowns, no picks. They average 1.5 yards a carry. I mean, they had they had 155 yards of total offense. Yeah, I – um. It, it reached the point because this game was on during the Florida State-Louisville game, uh, the ACC championship, which we'll talk about next. Um, it reached a point for me where um, I was sitting on my couch and I had a split screen going. I, I was able to watch both the ACC and Big Ten championship, and I was just so bored watching the Big Ten championship, and I was mainly watching the Florida State game anyways. Um, I, turned off, I, turned, I turned off the split screen um, – shoot probably like 10 minutes into the game i'm like i just can't do this anymore <laughs> um so yeah no, that- i mean it's funny you say that we did the exact same thing we had for some reason on our tv the only the, the only split screen we could get it was obviously the mission game and the florida state game but the florida state game was on this acc network type of type of deal where they had like this big stat thing kind of up the whole game and so Eventually, I was like, guys, there's no point in watching this Iowa game. Let's just go full screen on the Florida State game. Yeah. That one was not that pretty either, but I mean, I, I don't know that we expected anything outside of this Iowa Hawkeyes team. Yeah. Um, the thing, too, is uh, I'll, I'll mention this in just a second when we get to the Florida State Louisville game. Um, even though Iowa didn't score, the Big Ten Championship had more combined points at half than the ACC Championship game. Yeah. The nightcap was just very ugly football. Yeah, pretty brutal. Um, all right. Anyways, let's uh, let's just take a quick peek at the ACC championship game, real quick, if you don't mind. Uh, Florida State beats uh, beats Louisville sixteen to six. Man, I, I I don't even really know what to say about Florida State anymore. I mean, they just capped off an incredible season, a, a hell of a season, if you will, with the uh, undefeated conference championship. Um, I don't know. I'm not going on another rant about the playoff. But uh, anyways, Florida State finished off a perfect season conference championship. They looked offense, you know, starting your third string quarterback, true freshman. It's his first it's his first start in college. And he looked OK. He, I mean, nothing too crazy. He just kind of managed the offense a little bit. Um, you know, he's obviously by no means any Jordan Travis. But, you know, certainly a win's a win no matter how you get it. And in this game, Florida State was absolutely relying on their defense to make play after play after play. Um, and, you know, every single time Florida State's defense was challenged, they always, they always, they always aced it. They always, they always rose to the occasion, rose to the challenge, and they just got the job done. They did a great job. You know, Louisville came into this, came into this game um, averaging just over 30 points a game. 
and the Florida State offense was able to hold them to get six points through four quarters. So that, or excuse me, the Florida State defense was able to hold Louisville to get um, six points in four quarters. So that's that's a damn good job by that Florida State defense. Um, all in all, though, great job by Florida State. You know, I, I once again apologize for them being shafted in the college football playoff, but there's nothing I could do about that. But um, yeah, great job for Florida State, and yeah, I hope that uh, Billy Napier will, uh, you know see how these you know somewhat lawsuits are going right now with the college football playoff committee being potentially sued i believe over this i think i saw something talking about that earlier today yeah i saw something about that too but also i don't i don't, I don't see what they're gonna do about that but i mean there's nothing they can do it's more for pride at this point but yeah and we talked about in our emergency episode, Florida State deserves to be in the playoffs. It's dumb that they're not. But nonetheless, for Mike Norville's program, I mean, the oh, I'm Florida sorry. State. I, I just realized I said Billy Napier. I'm so sorry. I mixed up my Florida schools. <laughs> yeah, there's a big gap. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all good. It's late at night. I that apologize. Of us. Good Lord. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But yeah, for Florida State and Mike Norville, I mean, when you walked in this job, it was a pretty big rebuild, and you went through some – very, very dark days and going undefeated and winning the conference. FSU hasn't done that since 2013. So obviously a great season and look, you find a way to win games. And even, even though you have a third string quarterback, didn't really have anything going on offense, but man, this FSU defense is incredible. They had seven sacks. Jared verse is an absolute stud. And I'm just really surprised that Louisville could not put up more points. I mean, Louisville is it has been a good team this year. Jeff Brom is a very good offensive mind. Jack Plummer and Jawar Jordan have been good players this year, and they just could not get anything going. If you, if this was your only time watching Louisville this year, you would have thought that that Jack Plummer is not a good quarterback at all. When in reality, he's a pretty solid one, and Louisville is a very solid team. But Florida State's defense just really, really stepped up and got it done. And so there you go for Florida State. You win your first conference championship. So, yeah, you do want to be in the playoffs. Obviously, you did get screwed, obviously. But, hey, 13-0, you win the conference. That is definitely something you should be very, very proud of and excited about. So the main the main kind of drive, I feel like that just truly – as soon as I saw this happen on the field, I just knew Florida State was going to win. And, of course, I'm talking about when Louisville was able to successfully block Florida State's punt um, – did, was it even a block, or did they just like straight up tackle the punter? I don't I'm remember. pretty sure they just sacked the punter. Yeah, I think they did that. Yeah, yeah, they did because the punter tucked it and kind of ran with it, and they just they kind of decked him. But anyways, which um, actually was pretty smart because if he'd have punted it, they could have blocked it and scored a touchdown. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Um, but anyways, as soon as that happened, you know, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't sixteen six just yet. Uh, it was a lot. It was still closer. And as soon as that happened, I realized like if Louisville is going to win this game and win the win the uh, conference championship, they they got to get it done right here. They got to get a touchdown. Got to get some points. And Florida State's defense was able to hold them to uh, two straight stops, I believe, on first and second down. And then they Louisville elected to pass for it on Florida State's probably eight yard line, something like that. Um, and the ball was picked off in the end zone. And so as soon as I saw that with Florida State's just true just guts and all the all the heart that they were playing with in that game, I just knew as soon as that ball was intercepted that there's just no way the Knowles are going to lose this game. Yeah, it just seemed like no matter how many opportunities the Cardinals got, they were just not going to get it done that night. Yeah, that sucks. 
Um, all right, Colson. I'm actually a little bit excited about this. Um, believe it or not, we have a we have our very first sponsor of the show. Um, I know, pretty crazy, pretty crazy concept, but we're we're kind of those guys now, Colton. That that's just what we do. We are big time. We are big time, absolutely. And so, with that being said, here is a word from our sponsor. Hey, trouble with the snap, listeners. Have you ever thought about creating your very own podcast? Well, we're here to tell you about the best podcasting platform in the game right now, Zencaster. If you've ever thought about podcasting before but didn't really know where to get started. Zencaster is here to make your life so much easier. With their incredible all-in-one tools, you can create, publish, and upload your latest episode to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major destinations directly from their website. To get started, go to Zencaster.com, create an account, choose a plan that works best for you, and you're all set. It's that simple. While choosing a paid plan might not be in your best interest at the moment, Zencaster still offers both free-to-try and hobbyist account plans, which are absolutely free. As a bonus, if you choose a paid plan, go to Zencaster.com pricing and use our code TWSPOD, that's T-W-S-P-O-D, to get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. As new podcasters ourselves, we want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all our podcasting and content needs. And we believe it's time to share your story. Now, back to the episode. Whew, Colson, we made it. We're big time now, man. How'd you like it? A lot more of where that came from, by the way. But that was great. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been working re- I've been working hard um, behind the scenes, just like working all these deals. And just, man, I'm, I'm really glad it's finally starting to pay off, Colson. Yeah. Support Zencaster. Absolutely. Please we do. Absolutely. All right, now let's jump into our second uh, second and final topic of the show. Of course, it's everyone's favorite. It's our discussion topics, our discussion segment. Um, so let's just jump right in. We've talked quite a bit about the playoff um, in our last episode. We touched on it a little bit more here. Um, so I feel like it's only fitting that we discuss the other New Year's Six Bowl games. Uh, Colton, wh- which one of the which, uh, other New Year's Six games just kind of jump out, jump off the page to you? What are you really, really excited to watch? Yeah, I think we kind of run down them pretty fast. I mean, Georgia-Florida State in the Orange Bowl is obviously fun, and Florida State is going to be extremely motivated to win that game after getting snubbed in the playoffs. But I just don't see how Florida State is going to be able to win this game without a quarterback. I know that they'll have Tate Rodmaker back, and so that will probably make it a little bit better than Brock Glenn was in his first start. But I don't really know that this game is going to be particularly close. Liberty-Oregon is interesting just because – it's two good quarterbacks, Bo Nix and Caden Salter, but it sounds like Nix is going to play, and I just feel like this Oregon defense will be a little bit too much. For the Flames, probably the one I'm looking forward to the most is probably Missouri and Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. I think that's potential for a lot of points, and like we'll get to, Ohio State is not going to have Colin McCord starting because he's in the portal, so see what they can do without him if they're going to be starting Devin Brown and then try and transition into this new era of Buckeye quarterback reign next year. What about you? What are you kind of looking at? So same thing, what you just talked about a moment ago. Um, I'm really looking forward to the, uh, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl classic there in Arlington between Missouri and Ohio state. Um, Huge game. Both teams coming off very strong years. Although for some people, um, 
in Columbus, Ohio, no matter, even though they've only had one loss the entire season, they'd still probably call it a, a bit of a failure just because they, did, they didn't beat Michigan. Um, but anyways, I'm really looking forward to this game. No question as Missouri, as we've all talked about quite a, quite a lot on this show throughout the season. Um, they are having a damn good year. Head coach Eli Drinkowitz. I don't know what the hell he told him before uh, going into the season. Um, but whatever he told him, it's clearly paid off. They have just been balling out of their minds so far this year. And so it'll be really fun to see, um, an sec team, the caliber of Missouri this year, go up against Ohio state in the cotton bowl. Um, and of course, you know, you have, uh, as Colton just t- touched on a moment ago, Florida state taking on Georgia in the capital one orange bowl. Um, I, I don't think that Florida state has much of a chance in this game just by how good and how deep Georgia is. Um, but considering the whole headlines around the playoff in Florida state this past few days, it'll certainly be a lot of, a lot of fun and it'll be really interesting to see just how they handle this kind of revenge game, if you will, whatnot. Um, and then finally, I'm actually look. I'm really looking forward to the Peach Bowl a little bit between Ole Miss and Penn State. Um, you know, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, they've had a they've had a really good season. You know, another ten win season for Lane down in Oxford. Uh, they look good. They have a lot of good pieces on that team, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see what they can do against a pretty pretty powerful program in the Big Ten in Penn State. Yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing how this Ole Miss offense stacks up against a very elite Penn State defense. And if you're a guy like Drew Alar at Penn State, I don't think that you had the type of first season starting that you really wanted to. Obviously, players can improve, and a lot of the improvement can come in this bowl season where you have 15 extra practices allotted for your team. And so this is a seems like a pretty big next two weeks for a guy like Drew Alar, who's the man there at Penn State and really has to improve if the Nittany Lions want to kind of climb from being a very, very good program every year to getting to that elite status where they are winning 11, 12 games a year instead of 9, 10. And uh, a couple non-New Year's Six games that stand out to me, the Alamo Bowl, Arizona-Oklahoma, I'm really excited about. Dylan Gabriel is in the portal for Oklahoma, as we will get to, so... Jackson Arnold, the freshman, is going to be the guy there uh, for this game and the foreseeable future in Norman. The Pop-Tarts Bowl, obviously, NC State, Kansas State is fun. As Will Howard also in the portal. Another freshman starting there for the Wildcats. But I think the best part is that the Pop-Tart mascot is actually going to be eaten after the game. Sounds pretty gross, but it's kind of cool, but it's also just nasty. I don't know. Yeah, I'm... Looking forward to seeing how they actually pull that one off. And Iowa, Tennessee, and the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl is one that you got to look forward to just because anything surrounding a Cheez-It Bowl is fun. And these are two teams with – I woke up feeling the cheesiest, Coach. Yeah, two teams with pretty good defenses and not so great offenses, although Tennessee's offense is still much better than the Iowa Hawkeyes. But maybe this is the game where Iowa explodes. I'm telling you, dude, I'm still holding out faith and hope that that trick play that we've been talking the, that trick playbook that we've been talking about for so long for Iowa um, I'm, I'm really hoping and I believe that they will whip that out against Tennessee especially because you know who the hell wants to win a conference championship when you can win the, you can win the cheese at Citrus Bowl like why not that, it's, I mean I'm hopefully I hoping hoping that the Hawkeyes have their priorities pretty straight well the thing is Iowa in theory had nothing to play for because they weren't gonna make the playoffs even if they win the big 10 so you may as well just kind of save all your bullets up for the bowl game that's what I'm talking about. They probably had some inclination they were going to be in the Cheez-It Bowl, and so 
if you can I, get I, a cheese a Gatorade bath, I think that's that's just about as good as winning the Big Ten. I, I can't agree more. I, I'm I'm really hoping that they save those bullets and spend them wisely against uh, pretty stout Tennessee def- defense. Any bowl, uh, any other bowl games to kind of catch your eye, or do you want to move on to transfer portal? Um, you know, I think uh, if if um, if he wouldn't have opted out of this game, the one I have my eye on is the uh, Directv Holiday Bowl between Louisville and USC. Uh, and of course, the guy I'm talking about who has not opted into the bowl game is Caleb Williams. So I think if USC was at full strength, full, you know, no guys opting out, things like that. If they were just at, I'll just say full health. If they were at full health, um. That would be a lot of fun to see what they could do against a pretty pretty stout uh, Louisville team with a, with a, obviously a damn good offense this year. So obviously that's not the case. Caleb Williams is already dreaming about the NFL. Um, of course, I would be a bad I would be a super center as we call him in College Station if I didn't mention the AM Oklahoma State uh, Texas Bowl here in Houston. Not really much to say about this. It's just. You know, another year, another Texas Bowl, I guess. But, hey, I mean, it's better than what we were doing at this time last year. So, I'll take it. Beggars can't be choosers, you know. Also looking forward to the first responder. Is this the Armed Forces Bowl, right? Between Rice and Texas State? Let me see here. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's just no, the this, first responder this, this serve, The Serve Pro first responder bowl? Yeah, yeah. Texas State, Rice. Just two Texas schools are on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, academically and socially. Hey, man, I, I, I'm kind of liking the Owls in this game. Who them? I've liked the Owls all year. You know, Luke McCaffrey is on the brink of a 1,000-yard receiving season. That's crazy. Um, speaking of which, did you see that? Uh, speaking of Rice, did you see that JT Daniels is, uh, like, medically medically retiring from the game, I believe, and he's focused on becoming a coach? Yeah, it's unfortunate. He actually was starting to play some pretty good football this year. Yeah. So it definitely sucks for him, but that's good. He's had a pretty wild career. Crazy to think he was the number one quarterback in his class. But he's had a pretty wild ride. But it's definitely good that he's going to be able to, I'm sure, have opportunities to hop into the coaching game and get that kind of going pretty early and not have to worry about any more wear and tear on his body. So hoping it works out for him. All right, let's take a, let's let's uh, shift gears a little bit now. Take a look at the portal. Uh, so the transfer portal officially opened for all schools, all FBS, FCS, all the above. Um, it officially opened yesterday, which was Monday, December 4th. Um, so now instead of it being limited to certain teams, certain schools, every single person can, um, is now open into the transfer portal. So since yesterday we have heard and found out about quite a few notable players, most, uh, mainly quarterbacks at this point so far, um, who have declared that they are either entering the portal or have expressed interest in entering the portal. Uh, so let's just run through the list real quick. We got Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel, Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord, UCLA true freshman quarterback Dante Moore, uh, Cam Ward out there, Washington State quarterback, uh, DJU quarterback of uh, Oregon State, Riley Leonard, the quarterback of Duke, and Tyler Van Dyke, uh, quarterback of Miami, all entered the portal or expressed their interest in entering. Um, yeah, Colson portal season's here. What a – what kind of jumps out to you about these guys? Um, any thoughts on potential landing spots for a few of them? Or just, well, I guess, what's your, what's your reaction to all this? I mean, I think the first one that really jumps off the page is clearly Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord. He definitely did not have a fantastic year by any means. And I think that we all thought that we could probably do better at quarterback. That being said, it, it is his first year starting. He was a pretty highly touted guy. And look, I mean, he's... 
one touchdown drive away from preparing to play in the playoffs right now. Now he's 11 and one and he's out of there. And one thing that I kind of saw on Kyle McCord was that apparently his dad or him or both of them met with Ryan day and they wanted some sort of promise or commitment that he would be the starter next year to which Ryan day was not going to just hand him over the job. And so we'll see where Ohio state turns. They have a guy, Devin Brown behind him. who's in his second year. Who's a very talented guy, but is not, gotten much playing time up to this point and did not win the job in the offseason. It was obviously the transfer portal. Dylan Gabriel, very good quarterback. Just kind of seems like, oh, he's ready to move on to the Jackson Arnold era, the freshman there. And so I've seen a lot of Oregon talk with Dylan Gabriel. Dante Moore, you mentioned he had a up and down year at UCLA, mostly down, honestly, but he's a true freshman. UCLA was not very good this year either, particularly on offense. So I've seen some look there for Michigan State as he is from Michigan. And Raleigh Leonard, Notre Dame, seems like the spot there. Cam Ward and DJU, Tyler Van Dyke, I really haven't seen too much on where their potential landing spots are. Uh, One more player I forgot to mention, as we were about to touch on just now. So Alabama quarterback this past season, Tyler Buckner, um, you know, he transferred going into this past season from Notre Dame to Alabama uh, had a chance to start this year. Didn't look very good. I believe it was week three is when that was against uh, South Florida. Didn't look too great. Um, that was the game that ultimately Nick Saban decided that he was going to stick with Jalen Miller for the rest of the year. And thankfully he did as that ultimately ended up being the best decision. However, the biggest news surrounding Tyler Buckner that came out the other day was not actually him entering the transfer portal. It, the biggest news was him transferring uh, back to Notre Dame or expressing his intention to transfer back to Notre Dame. But as a lacrosse player, I, I think he's hanging up the uh, the football the football cleats and grabbing his lacrosse cleats this time. So I, I don't – I just kind of just completely blindsided me. I didn't really believe it when I first read it, but supposedly it's true. Yeah, it was very funny headline to see because at first I just see that he enters a portal and I don't think anything of it because, like you mentioned, he did not – play well and when he played sparingly and obviously Milrow is the guy there this year and next year yeah then you find out he's gonna go play lacrosse and apparently he was a very highly recruited lacrosse player out of high school and obviously I think we can see why you would want to pick football over lacrosse there'll be more potential there for money fame and whatnot maybe he also just likes football better but I think it's pretty cool I mean he gets to go back to Notre Dame get his degree from there and he gets to keep playing sports. So I think it's pretty cool for him, but definitely a pretty wild headline to see in the story out there. And so I saw that uh, Notre Dame's lacrosse team actually won the national title um, just last year. So it's not like he's joining just some, you know, uh, middle of the road program. He's joining the reigning national champion. So, I mean, good for him. You know, I, I see he gave football a try and, you know, I guess he's going back to his ultimate calling whatnot, which could lacrosse i don't know we'll see how it goes i wish him the best of luck yeah, um it's, it's also i mean it's clearly a pretty yeah. serious commitment and uh, yeah i mean it was just crazy too when you get up i mean i wake up on monday for a thing i see his call records in the portal and i'm scrolling i'm probably checking every 10 15 minutes to see who's in the portal and i think it's also interesting too for the four teams in the playoff i mean you're gonna have exit meetings. You're gonna have guys enter the portal, but it's kind of a weird situation because I think that a lot of guys that are probably on the fence, you want to stick around if your team's in the playoff because you don't know if you get another chance like this. And so, it's very interesting to see 
kind of how players balance it out, especially if any quarterbacks, any backup quarterbacks on playoff teams elect to enter the portal. And if you're a quarterback, you kind of got to get it done pretty fast because spots are getting taken. And the, the other thing is, is, I mean, if you enter the portal, if you're the backup quarterback, you're one hit away from playing in a national semifinal or championship game. So just looking forward to seeing how it plays out with those, with those four teams there. It's just a very interesting game to balance. Okay. Um, aside from the portal entering, I believe the other biggest news out of this these past few days, few hours, whatnot, have been that Tulane head coach Willie Fritz has decided to accept the job at U of H. Um, so U of H has their guy. I think they have a damn good hire in Willie Fritz. Um, considering what they're moving on from to what to who they're going to, it's a complete upgrade in my opinion. Uh, I'm not trying to sound like I'm throwing shade at Dana Holgerson at all, but um, the dude was just has just had some up and down years at U of H um, since he took that job a couple seasons ago, and I think this this hire is pretty big time for U of H to be asking. I'm really excited for the Cougars. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see what Willie Fritz can do now that he's in Houston. I'm with you completely. Fritz is a great hire. I mean, Tulane is not an easy place to win. He was there for seven years and always seemed like a very well-respected guy. I remember even when Tulane was not doing great at the start of his tenure, people still just love talking to Willie Fritz. And where he's gotten the past couple of years is pretty incredible. Winning the conference, winning the Cotton Bowl. And then this year – and who knows, maybe they beat SME if he's not in contract negotiations, right? I mean, it's yeah, we've seen this happen before. And so, yeah, with U of H, I think you just get you just get a damn good football coach. I mean, you don't really do the whole Holgerson thing where you have previous ties to a guy. I mean, I think you just go there, you get a guy who kind of understands the South and a guy that just wins. So I think very good hire to see how it works out for the Cougs in H-Town. Yeah. I, I, I'm right there with you. I uh, I completely agree. I think that this hire, at least on paper as of right now, of course, anything's possible once the, the pads and helmets gets all strapped on and you play games for the first time. But as of right now on paper, this seems like a home run hire. Um, so great job by U of H. It'll be really fun to see what what exactly he is able to do with that program. Um, We already talked about our favorite bowl matchup. I think that would just about do it for us. Uh, is there anything else that we missed or anything you're thinking of right now anything you want to touch on before we close out i think we covered it all all right well i i agree with you as well there um that will just about do it for this episode of trouble with the snap as always if you have any questions comments concerns anything like that at all you know where to find us uh follow us on twitter follow us on instagram check out our website yada 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 i, I y'all hear this at the end of every show um but yeah that will just about do it um, I'm not too entirely sure when we'll talk to y'all next. It'll, it'll be in the, in the, in the, uh, the near future. It's just, um, with bowl season, not starting up yet. No more regular season. Uh, Colt and I are still discussing when this will be, but either way we will have, um, a few more episodes out the month of December. No questions asked. Um, so just keep an eye on our socials and we will certainly update y'all there whenever we do upload. Um, but yeah, that was just about do it. Thank you very much for listening and we will talk to y'all the next one. Thank y'all.